0: Good morning. Hey, there we are. i uh, let the church say amen for the In the Middle Choir. Amen. And for our uh, conductor, Allison Mickelson. i let the church say amen for Dion uh, as well, leading us in some Aretha Franklin this morning. Hi. It it took me back to an all-boys summer camp in Alabama, where I tried to convince everyone to sing that song to the sister girls camp. And I was outvoted 20 to 1. Uh, (laughs) So you make me feel like a natural woman. So but we definitely lift up uh, the spirit of Aretha Franklin this morning, and you'll hear more uh, coming forward. Uh, My name is Rob Stevens. I'm Minister for Congregational Life here, and on behalf of Jackie Lewis, our Senior Pastor in Consistory, uh, we say welcome. Uh, Who's here for the first time? If you could raise your hand. Uh, I know this crowd down here, I saw them earlier, uh, outside from France. Uh, Where are you all from? Where are you from? South Africa? Ah, okay, I know why you're (laughs) here. From the Bronx, all right. Who else? Minnesota. All right. In Spain, all right. And we have? All at once? France, yeah. Welcome, we're so happy you're here uh, with us today. Uh, This morning we have a a great joy of having uh, our seminary interns preaching. Uh, Usually they do it in the spring, but it got uh, changed around, so Amo and Gloria will be preaching uh, today. Uh, I give it up for them. I think we we might set the record this year for interns coming from the closest and furthest away. Uh, We have Amo coming from South Africa and Gloria coming from Mulberry Street, Uh, and I'm uh, thrilled about their uh, sermons this morning and their ministries uh, going forward. Uh, we do need, I believe, unless someone's already stepped in, someone to deliver butterfly sandwiches after worship today. If there's any volunteers, please come if you, if you feel it right now. Go ahead and put your hand up, and I'll come get you. Great, Maria. Wonderful. All right, yeah, come see us afterwards in Maria. Thank you all. Um, we have a soccer game on September 8th, which is a little bit away, but we need people to sign up, and it's, the information is here. We're going to go see. Um, maybe I should look. Uh, who are we going to see Marta? New York City Football Club. There we go ah. against DC United. Big game uh, at Yankee Stadium. So please sign up to go with Marta. Some of y'all went to the beach yesterday. Uh, these are some of our summer uh, mixers. Uh, plenty of justice things that went out in the world. Some opportunities to volunteer uh, in the serve last week and continue to look out for those in the ready to march. And of course Uh, We are spending our time in August planning, so look out for lots of exciting education. We're going to have Revolutionary Love uh, Conference-like events all year uh, this year, so starting September 9th, we'll have something after the second worship, uh, the politics of faith is the theme, and so be on the lookout for those as well. And I think that's it. Please uh, prepare your hearts for worship and stand for our opening hymn.
1: And this morning, you have heard Anne Wiesel, you will hear Branch Woodman, and you will hear Dionne McLean Freeney soloing. I just wanted to speak those words into the earth.
2: one, we thank you so much for this break in the weather. We thank you for these moments of rest and relaxation, of recreation, of joy, of loving, of caring, moments to reconnect, moments of celebration, moments of sometimes sheer exhaustion. We thank you for reflection as we celebrate the life of Aretha Franklin, the voice of freedom and the movement and of summer. We thank you for this time, this time here at Middle Collegiate Church. We thank you for what's to come and what has passed. We thank you in your name we pray, amen.
3: Where,
4: where could I go? And who can I run to?
3: Dion original so before I even say a word my friends know it is their time it is time for the message for all ages young young at heart join me here on the blanket it's so good to see you in the summer rain the summer cloudy day I'm so glad you came out today friends we get to hear from two different preachers today. Two people, Gloria and Amo, are both gonna be giving us some reminders. Reminders on how to live together as a community of people. How to be together, how to live. And one of the passages they're using is from Ephesians. And in the book of Ephesians, the writer was giving a lot of reminders to encourage people and remind them on how they should live together. So we at Middle Church affirm that God is still speaking. God is still speaking in our young people even. So yes, woo-hoo, we, we wanna know if you could write a letter, oh good, we have a we care friend too, hi Leslie. We, and we got some fly people here, too. We got some fashion statements from our young people. We are going to make a reminder list together. If there was something you could say on how people should live together, what would you say? The writer of Ephesians says, be careful how you live. Live as wise people, making the most of every day, every situation, because these are hot mess times. (laughs) little bit of paraphrasing there. So what would you want to remind people? Yeah, start us off. To live in peace. To live in peace. I like that. It's a great start. What else would you say? I want you to remember to live this way. To be kind to be kind, to live in peace and to be kind. Yes. To help others. To help others. Beautiful. What else? Yes, Josephine. To share. To share. This is a good list already. Who else? I'm looking for hands. Yeah, Maya. How can we live, Maya? Mm What do you want to remind people? <laughs> I, I think you remind us every week to dance to the music, Maya. Yeah. Maya's got some moves, y'all. Once the move, music starts in the worship, she starts twirling and jumping. One, yeah, same. Um, help people love. Help people love? I like that, help people love. Genevieve, did you have one? I thought I saw your hand. No, oh no, okay. I think this is a good list to, how did you phrase it? Live in peace. To live in peace, to be kind, to share, to help people love, to dance to the music. These are some good reminders. Thank you for helping us make this list, you guys. The grown-ups are listening. I guarantee that. They are tweeting out some of these reminders right now on their phones. Let's say a prayer, remembering that we are thinking about how we live together as a community and reminding each other about these things when we come together at Middle. Let's pray. Dear Dear God, we want to think about we want to think about how we live together. How we live together. Help us remember help us remember to work for peace. To work for peace. To help other people. To help other people. To share what we have. To share what we have. To dance to the music. To dance to the music. And to help people love. And to help people love. And all God's people said, Amen amen all right let's sing some see a Humble with these reminders thank you young friends <laughs>
5: Join me and put your hands um, facing up and possibly on the top of your legs as you sit down. And I invite you to take a very deep breath into the center of your being. Hey God, we thank you that there is nobody else like you. We thank you for dancing children and children who speak the truth. We thank you that we can feel your love through them. And we thank you on this day, on this morning, we are invited to exhale, to have your loving arms wrap around us. We have a lot of questions and often we just say we're fine but um, we just ask right now that we can be fully ourselves in your arms. We've got some sick moms and dads, some struggling daughters and sons, and we ourselves are grieving losses, people or expectations that we don't always know how to process. Please comfort the hearts of those in Indonesia suffering from earthquakes and those in California recovering from fires and all of those and us grieving. And we seek this morning in this very unjust world where our country has separated families and not returned children to their parents and where lying is casually accepted. We seek places of truth-telling, listening, compassion, reunion, and we really seek to be carried by your spirit. We thank you for the force of Aretha Franklin. As Chris Cuomo said this week, the power in her voice convinced you that there is something greater than us at play in this world. Wesley Morris wrote, But when the gospel left the church and entered the body, the black body, we called that soul. And through her voice, she repositioned what else could be holy she reconstructed songs and rearranged what we knew listening to her voice was an experience of you not written down but felt we learned how to spell respect and she redefined what it is to be a natural woman as she stood for civil rights and offered to pay the bail of angela davis the bond of angela davis and our spirits and our souls want to move like her voice moved in your spirit, rooted in your wisdom. Help us today as we reconstruct and rearrange our present moments so that the divine can be felt through each of us and how we move and what we say and how we pray with our art and our presence. In your many names I pray. Amen. Please join me in holding on to someone who's next to you. And if you're not into touching others, you can just put your hands in your pocket. But we need each other. And we invite you to say the Lord's Prayer in the language that is most comfortable to you. There is also a version printed in your bulletin. Ever loving and holy God, hallowed be your name. Your reign come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not Please pass the peace with those you don't know as well as those you know.
6: It feels good being tall for a change. (laughs) Good morning, Middle Church. It's an honor to be up here. Thank you. The scripture this morning that I'll be preaching from is from Ephesians chapter 5, verses 14b through verse 20. Listen now for a word from God. Therefore it says, sleeper awake, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be careful, then, how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time, because the days are evil. So do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs amongst yourselves, singing and making melody to the Lord in your hearts, giving thanks to God the Father at all times for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. The word, this is the word of God for the people of God. Right. Thanks be to God. My sermon this morning is called How Shall We Then Live? Please pray with me. Now may, the medita- now may the words of my heart and the meditations of all of our, let's try that one again. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, amen. A little bit of a backstory here. Though Ephesians appears to be a letter from the uh, Apostle Paul to the church of Ephesus, scholars now believe that it was actually a general statement of faith emerging from a community in the tradition of Paul several decades after his death. The earliest records of the text do not actually contain the word Ephesians, I'm sorry, Ephesus at the beginning of the chapter one. So the audience can be understood as to the saints who are also faithful in Christ Jesus. In this text, the writer is writing to those that are possibly new to the faith to tell them how to live as children of God. I chose to add part, part of the 14th verse, which actually is not in the lectionary today. It seems to come from a hymn in their community when it says, sleeper awake, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. In this verse, the author is telling the folks to wake up and arise from the death and to sin and be alive in Christ. We're also told to stay alert and stay awake because we see Christ in every day in, and we see Christ in our lives every day and in the faces of our neighbors. The verse, the, this verse tells me that we need to stay on our toes because God may be sending someone or something in our lives for a purpose. We should live, I'm sorry. Let's try that one again. Okay. The verse says to me that we need to stay on our toes because God may be sending someone or something into our lives for a purpose so we should live a life that is acceptable to the gift of life that God has given to us and be open to God's surprises. And you know there are many. In verses 15 to 20, the author of Ephesians writes to instruct the folks how they should live, what they are to avoid, that is not pleasing to God. And there are three key points that I take from the scriptures today. The first point from the scripture is about wisdom. The scripture tells us to be wise. Now that's a definition of easier said than done. It seems to me, oh my God, there's a storm coming. <laughs> which means which means you didn't silence your phones because we all heard that. I'm sorry, I didn't need to get off, off topic here. Anyway, it seems to me that we have to go through a lot of foolishness to get to wisdom. But to live life fully pleasing to our creator and living in love, we need to have wisdom in decisions we make and how we conduct ourselves. For me, it's learning how to think things through instead of acting on a knee-jerk reaction. An example of an unwise decision in my life was dropping out of seminary without thinking it through. I left seminary because I felt that I was not being counted for who I was, and yet the school took my tuition money, and that was it. So I left. Instead of sticking around and pleading my case, I let anger get the better of me, and I walked away from school. At the time, it seemed like a wise decision. But in retrospect, it was a knee-jerk reaction and not the best way to handle it. Though at the same time, maybe it, I needed the extra years to gain the wisdom necessary to finish my ser- seminary education 20 years later. The decisions that we make have consequences. How many of us did things that our parents told us not to do, and they warned us not to do something, and we went ahead and did it anyway? I think a simple way, the best example is the little kid who you told not to touch the stove, you know, your parents say you don't touch the stove because it's hot, and what do you do? You go touch the stove because it's hot, and you burn yourself. This little kid's curiosity got hurt because someone told him not to do something and had to suffer the consequences of getting burnt. For me, sometimes, to get me to do something is tell me not to do something. I'll do it. Anyway, dare me not to do something, I will definitely do it. All right, so how many of us growing up were challenged by our peers to do something that could possibly be dangerous because we, d- we were dared to do it and we wanted to fit in. Another example of this is complaining. Sometimes when we are in company of people who complain, it becomes contagious. If you interact with someone who complains every day, it's really hard not to complain every day as well. The scripture says we have to be careful in how we live our lives. So we need to be intentional in our actions. Be wise in making decisions because there are consequences for decisions we make. The second point that I take from the scripture today is about grace. The writer reminds the church that the cost of Christ's grace, sorry, that the cost of Christ's sacrifice so that we can be free. One preacher says it in this manner. God took all our sins, shortcomings, faults, and mistakes and dumped them in an ocean far away and then put up a sign that said no fishing. However, I know last week the kids told us not to throw nothing in the ocean, right? But I like this metaphor all the same. God came into the world for us so that we could, we could live, and it's our job to extend that love and grace to others. When I think about my life and, my, and grace in my life, I think about all the second chances I've been given over the years and all the messes I've made. And when I think about grace, I think about this church, because when I walked in those doors 20 years ago, nobody cared, nobody said anything, nobody questioned me why I was here. I came in here, I was a hot mess, but y'all said, have a seat, it's all good, and I am very grateful for that. And if you feel like a mess today, don't worry, because you are not alone. We are all feeling that way sometimes. And the third point I, make, I take from the scripture is about community. The writers suggest that instead of being drunk with wine or worldly things, we should be drunk with the Holy Spirit. And in doing so, we should sing hymns of praise and, a community, and as a community of believers, give thanks to God for God's goodness. Nothing about this journey is supposed to be done alone or in isolation. Yet it seems important to find quiet times of solitude where we pull away to pray and recharge, but that's not leaving community. Isolation is when we let ourselves be out of relationship with the community, where we think we can do it all on our own. So, what does that look what does that look like and how does this apply to us in this world today? In this time in which we are in this time in which we are living, where we are inundated and bombarded from all sides by news twenty-four-seven, where it seems like hate is front and center because of the rhetoric that has been spewed out from our elected officials. The idea that it is okay to deny basic human rights such as access to decent healthcare, education, living wages, separating children from their parents because of their immigration status, where the value of a person is based on the color of their skin or the economic status, that is not okay. As believers, we cannot sit by and watch as hate and fear dictate our lives. If we are filled with the Holy Spirit, then I say that that requires us to take action, to stand with those who are being neglected, singled out by this government, and showing up and standing on the side of justice. The writer of Ephesians is telling us, as believers, we are to live in community, as children of God, to live in love, and to walk the walk. The writer is calling for the church to walk in love instead of walking in the shadows of sin. And we are encouraged to live by the fruit by the faith as we would try to follow Jesus' example of living in love and justice. We will also bear the fruits of the spirit that Paul wrote about in the book of Galatians, the fruits of the spirit that are described in the message translation as affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity, a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion, a conviction of basic holiness permeates things and people, loyal commitments, not needing to force our way into lives, able to marshal our energies wisely. We know them as love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. These fruits are in use and available to us when we walk in the Spirit of God. So as we strive for these fruits in our families, our communities, in this church, or in our lives, I leave you this morning with three points. One, Wisdom, be intentional and careful in how you live your life and the decisions you make. Number two, live in grace, remembering the grace extended to us by God. And number three, community, being a child of God, requires us to live in community with one another and to support one another. Amen.
1: Good morning, Middle Church. Um, Today I'll be reading from the Gospel of John, chapter 6, verse 51 to 58. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever, and this bread which I will offer so this world may live is my flesh. Then the people began arguing with each other about what he meant. How can this man give us his flesh to eat, they asked. Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life. But anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise that person at the last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. I live because of the living Father who sent me, In the same way, anyone who feeds on me will live because of me. I am the true bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will not die as your ancestors did, even though they ate the manna, but will live forever. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you you to God. So this morning I'll be preaching on the topic A Radical Invitation to a Life of Intimacy a radical invitation to a life of intimacy. Let us pray. Dear God, we thank you for your presence with us here and now. Our souls find rest in being known by you even as we continue to unravel the depths of who you are and who we are. We are grateful for those times when we feel you so near, those moments of known, deep intimacy. God, we thank you that you invite us into a life of daily, intimate communion with you and your people. Give us this day our daily bread. Amen. So in this passage, Jesus invites us to eat and drink, to eat his body and drink his blood, and in so doing, we will find life. This sounds like a grand promise following Jesus' perplexing request to merely eat and drink. So much so that even the people around him were arguing among themselves, asking, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Perhaps sarcastically, literally, or maybe they were genuinely confused. In their questioning, we see Jesus respond simply by reiterating what he just said to them. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. By responding in this way, it's as if Jesus is uncovering a much deeper questioning for them and for us, a question they were wrestling with and not fully able to bring to the surface. Perhaps they were also not ready to sit with the reality of the choices they would need to make if they connected with the profound question Jesus was asking them. Will you choose life? See, questions are interesting. Sometimes in our questioning, there's a truth we know that we're not ready to sit with. I can imagine myself being one of these people, arguing and questioning sarcastically and defensively. As many of you know, I'm from South Africa, and I remember several years ago, being asked by people I met at a book club if I'd ever thought of going to seminary. Of course, I responded with shock, demanding where they would get such an idea from. Though, even in that moment of shock and questioning, there was a part of me that knew exactly why they were asking me that. Instead of sitting with the truth that they were revealing to me in that moment, I questioned it. I wasn't really ready to hear what they were saying to me. And more so because of the decisions I would need to make in choosing to go to seminary. It was a hard decision to make, leaving the corporate world, feeling like I'm disappointing my parents and defying societal pressures. See, there are times in life when God will offer us an opportunity to choose life, even as it may mean the death of other parts of us. In choosing life, it might result in feeling like we're betraying those we love. The walk of faith at times comes with disappointing those who love us. And so, Choosing to act confused and asking more distracting questions of God to avoid God's calling may be easier and safer for that moment. But it does come with its own share of hardships and disappointments and frustrations. And so either way, it is hard. Um, and Ulanoff, a professor of psychology and religion, helps us from a psychological perspective to understand how our questioning can enable us to enter into a moment of intimacy with God. She reminds us that when we pray, each time we ask for help, sorry, we pray every time we ask for help, understanding or strength in or out of religion. She says that in prayer we say who in fact we are, not who we should be or who we wish to be, but who we are. I believe that as Jesus asks us to commune with him and choose life, he's also asking us to connect with who we are. Communing with God is an extension of our prayers where we can lay ourselves bare before God and enter into that sweet spot of intimacy. It is in this act of communing, of eating and drinking, that allows us to move in a space of intimacy. It allows us to embody this moment of intimacy, ingesting God and ingesting the presence of God. My sister is a speech therapist, and she says that our ability to speak is based firstly on our ability to eat. She says that a newborn baby must be able to suck before they can be discharged from the hospital. Being able to suck and therefore being able to eat is the second most important thing after breathing that a baby needs to survive. The action of eating is essentially their life source. Additionally, a baby's ability to eat is completely reliant on another human being. They're completely vulnerable and dependent. Sucking and the complete reliance during the eating process is so symbolic of how in the act of communing, intimacy is embodied. We come bare before God, ready to be fed and nourished with the wellspring of life that begets life. So in God calling us to eat, he's also calling us to be in community. Maya Angelou reminds us that there are very few times we can be more intimate as to share food together. And so what makes it so hard for us to choose life and enter into this moment of intimacy that God is inviting us into? And I believe it's the relationship we have with our past, present, and future. In this moment of eating bread, in the moment of passing the peace, in the moments of our communing, Jesus is offering a radical invitation to a life of intimacy. Intimacy with our past, intimacy with our present, and intimacy with our future to enable us to be in an intimate relationship with God, ourselves, and others. An intimate relationship with our past is one that enables us to come bare before God with our heavy burdens and open wounds from the past that get in the way of us choosing life. Jesus, through his own suffering, meets us in our suffering, just as we are when we break Bread together, healing us and inviting us into intimacy with Him. An intimate relationship with our future is one that enables us to connect with a vision of the end, evoking a radical imagining of what's possible. Sean Copeland, a Catholic womanist, describes this type of hope in the Eucharist or communion, saying, Eucharistic solidarity teaches us to imagine, to hope for, and to create new possibilities. The solidarity enfolds us rather than dismisses others. We act in love rather than refuse others. We respond in self-sacrifice, committing ourselves to the long labor of creation, to the enfleshment of freedom. And here we can begin to imagine a world where children aren't forcefully separated from their families, but rather are loved and in loving communities, where women aren't constantly the victims of sexual violence, but rather respected and dignified. Where men of color aren't constantly victims of crime, but rather seen in the fullness of their humanity. For the LGBTQIA community, aren't disproportionately discriminated against and even killed, but rather well-loved and integrated in community. We have to imagine and believe that there is such a world. We have to imagine and believe that as we stand here, week after week, communing in community, that we are healing and that we are creating and that we are transforming the world in little and in big ways. In Jesus inviting us to a radical life of intimacy with the present, he's inviting us to choose life on a daily basis. A call to intimacy is an act of daily choosing life driven by our remembrance and healing of the past and our correct future imagining and hope. Intimacy with God is a perspective change that enables us to choose and live differently. We are invited by Jesus to eat his flesh and drink his blood, to ingest God as a way to choose life. By being in an intimate relationship with our past, with our present, and with our future, we are empowered to step into Jesus' invitation into a life of intimacy. It is here that the beautiful work of grace enables us to choose life moment to moment and day to day. May the grace of God be with you all as you drink deeply of the well of life. May you continue to know God ever so intimately. Give us this day our daily bread. Amen.
0: Let the church say amen. Amen. Let the church say amen again. Uh, One of the great joys of uh, being at Middle Church is, for me, for the past two years, has been working with uh, interns. And uh, being so fresh out of seminary myself, it's uh, definitely more of a peer relationship uh, that uh, I get to have and learn so much. Um, It's one of the most, one of the best things we do, and it's something that Middle Church values, teaching church, uh, teaching people and creating leaders, uh, and investing in that. Um, And we have seen uh, interns and people coming out of this church all over the country that are uh, in the church, and Lord knows we need them. Uh, This has not been a great week for the church, uh, or year, or century, uh, (laughs) millennia. Um, there's, uh, it's an amazing thing that uh, what we were left with to create community, to create love, to get rid of structures that were uh, uh, choking and strangling life have become the, some of the greatest purveyors of that violence and the systems of oppression. Uh, and so every time I come to church, uh, I'm moved when I see you here, uh, because there is something there has to be something pretty good uh, that we're looking for for us to keep coming to church after all that church is done. Uh, and many of you know that in your lives. Uh, but what the gospel says in, in programs like our internship is that uh, the, the gospel and our faith will often become fossilized will become stuck and dogmatized uh, if we aren't careful, if we don't have uh, programs and things like internships that come and bust us up. Both Amo and Gloria have busted me up this year, plenty, And our system. Uh, You can ask them about it later. I uh, asked them to edit just a few things. Uh, But we have to have mechanisms, and that's what we at Middle Church, I think, is one thing that makes it so vital here is that we have mechanisms to always be changing. It can be frustrating because we are always changing. Y'all might be coming in the door not knowing when the time is. But, uh, But we have to be changing. We have to be reinventing, resurrecting old things because the second we get comfortable with ourselves, And the second we get comfortable and rest on our laurels as a church and all that we have done and who we are and the uh, the accolades in media and uh, you hear people talking about it, that's when we're in danger of uh, becoming the thing that we don't want to become. And that's what's so exciting about here. You have no idea. Uh, People come up to me on Sunday morning and say, I'm I'm just here just to see what you all are going to do this Sunday. Uh, (laughs) Because we do change it up. And uh, we need your uh, participation in that. Uh, change. We are starting our stewardship campaign very early this year uh, because it is so uh, uh, integral to what we're trying to do here. To reimagine uh, money in the capital of capitalism, uh, we have to be talking about it here. and So uh, you'll hear it not just at the end of the year, but throughout the year, about how, what is a faithful response to uh, to money in this world? Uh, What is a faithful response to uh, theology that uh, often says there isn't enough to go around. Uh, that's scarcity. And so you'll be hearing words about God's radical abundance. Graham has been with us this summer doing a wonderful job uh, working around that. Uh, God's radical sufficiency, that uh, in our generosity we can have faith that God is sufficient to take care of us and that actually we get liberated uh, the more we give. Uh, and so we'll be thinking about that. We'll have Bible studies about that. We'll be uh, having a worship about that. Uh, not, not just to fill up these uh, beautiful green baskets that uh, got a bad name last week, uh, but, uh, but to, so that we can be liberated in the world. This is not a separate thing that we do each week. This is part of our worship. And so uh, I hope that you will pray with us this, this year as we uh, do all of that, uh, as we offer now our tithes and our offering to God. the children and the offering at the same time uh, please pray with me oh loving God please dedicate these gifts uh, as you order our steps towards grace community wisdom and an invitation to a radical life of intimacy order our steps dedicate these gifts and dedicate our very lives in the ministries of all those sitting in the pews and those who preach today to your glory to love and justice in the world in your many names we pray amen
1: feet well actually God's gonna do that but um (laughs) I'm gonna give you some words guide my feet while I run this race guide my feet while I run this race for I don't want to run this race in vain your words aren't there so you get to stand you get to look look at us look at each other here we go
0: So now, benediction. Uh, as you leave
6: from leave here from this, day, this place today, may you go in wisdom, and with the grace of God that was extended to you, and you extend to your brothers and sisters. Amen.
1: And as you eat and drink this week in community, and may you be reminded of the invitation of intimacy that God gives us, and may you be empowered to choose life and to keep choosing life.
0: Say amen again. Amen. Amen. Let us go now knowing that this race is not in vain, no matter what we face, no matter who we lose and what we lose along the way, that God is with us and we have one another. Dear God, now dismiss us from this place, but never from your spirit. We go now in peace and love. In your many names we pray, Amen. amen.
4: Just a little more before we go.
0: Come to the back. We're having a pizza party. I forgot to say that. Uh, pizza party in here, and also come to the fourth floor for a sermon talk back. Thank you, Dion.